I think there was an interesting, it was basically that the, the packaging, we it's literally used for like 10 seconds and then it just like goes to waste. Yeah. And it's such a waste. And there's like millions and probably billions of all this plastic waste that's used for one second. Right. So we do, we need to do more like reusable packaging. It's really crazy how like, you know, you, the, the concept of a grocery store is just so bizarre because there's all this packaging and all these ways that a product looks and then you buy it, take it home, throw it in your trash. It's so much waste. Like I would love, and I know there are grocery stores like this, the zero waste or which is, you know, I'm sure it will grow, but like you go and just nothing has the package. Waltner. Waltner. <laughs> I was mixing those. Well, that was amazing. Waltner. That's going in the beginning of the podcast. No. Yeah. Walmart partners with Loop for reuse. Walmart has an in-home delivery service where customers have access to groceries and other goods delivered to their homes. But now they'll be able to get products in reusable containers, which I think this is really cool. Basically, um, when they're delivering your products, you know, right now it's only a few products, but just like everything, it starts little and it grows over time. Mm episode of this emotionals podcast yay i am kira and i'm anthony and it's episode 14 yay and we're gonna go over some happy things today happy things are good it's good to focus on the happy 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 hippos happy dance instead of hungry hippos happy hippos they're just happy What what do you think a hippo would look like if he tried to smile um cute (laughs) <laughs> a baby hippo oh yeah so cute okay 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 what's your joke today silence i don't have one okay yeah you keep bombarding me with with negativity so i just didn't have one today shows you i'm not bombarding you with negativity i'm just <laughs> i'm being honest oh, i'm not okay. gonna lie to you well thank you for being honest all right so this episode we wanted to go over some really good things happening in the world today because everybody needs a little boost with the holidays coming around. We hope this, you know, cheers your spirit up and keeps you going and gives you some hope for the future and that our world is not completely just falling apart. Yeah, it's not doomed. <laughs> it's not doomed. It's not doomed. There's a lot of good things happening too in the environment. So yep. we are going to talk about some current environmental positive events. And I do and think that this episode focuses mostly, uh, there's a few solar topics. I know you have a few. I have a few different ones as well. I think I just have one, but okay. yeah. So keep that in mind as we go through. 
and we hope you enjoy. Okay, so this first one here is about a floating city in the Maldives.、Mm-hmm. I thought this was super cool. I was super excited to read about this and look up more on it. So it's not projected to be fully completed until 2027, but by the time it's completed, it will actually be able to house 20,000 people. And it's gonna have things like houses, restaurants, shops, school, hospital, and just a bunch of cool things added onto this sort of floating city. It sort of looks—it's modeled after a brain coral, which is something that's native to that part of the ocean where the Maldives are. You can kind of see a picture of it here, where you can kind of see the brain coral like spread out. So it's all connected, and there's definitely docks and boats, and it's. Just a really cool thing in general, and it's actually a sustainable city. So it's going to be able to ease the housing pressure, which is plaguing our world right now. I mean, we're cutting down the environment. It, it's even happening in Florida around here. You know, many places that were just once covered in forest are being demolished for highways, and people are building out instead of up. Most people want to be on the floor, right? The ground. So you know we have seventy five percent of our world is water, and we're quickly taking up what land we have left. And so the next solution for humanity is going to be living on the surface of the water of the ocean. And scientists have done the research on this that actually lets this、um, small city be safe from tsunamis and and that、oh. sort of thing by you know the technology they use they're going to use to be able to make this to float. That's、um, my first thought is like, what if there's a crazy storm and you're living? Thankfully, thankfully, where the Maldives are, it's not terrible. They they're not like like this wouldn't really work in the Caribbean, right? Like near、right. Puerto Rico or you know Bahamas or anything like that because of the hurricanes that come through. But I mean, there's plenty of places that don't get. As frequent of storms, and so it would make a lot of sense that if we can house twenty thousand people in a small area in in the ocean, I mean that's just amazing because that is land. Like seventy five percent of our world is water, so if we can start moving onto places in the water, that will save the environment. We can have nature and so return to itself, and so that's what this project aims to do: is start us moving away from land, letting the animals on land like. Give them time to regenerate. Give time for the ecosystems on land to come back. Give them while we live on the ocean. So, so yeah. So how how does how does it float? What is it floating from? Is it on top of the water? It is on top of the water. They haven't really talked much about the technology yet. They are starting construction next year, and they plan a three-year construction cycle for the whole entire project. It's supposed to、That's、finish pretty fast. Yeah, well, the whole city. They figure a lot of the homes are going to be modular homes, from what I read, which are homes that can just be directly shipped straight there. They don't have to build them there. They can just ship the homes directly there, and it'll be like modular bungalow type homes. It's just really interesting. So they hope by twenty one hundred to have many, many a community in the ocean by that year, and by twenty one hundred, hopefully, some ecosystems in land can regenerate. I'm just imagining like being in your house, and it's like you're like moving up and like swaying, moving up and down like you're on a boat. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen because、How? of the sheer weight. 
So the displacement of water density, you're not going to feel the floating. It's, it's sort of like a cargo ship. If you're on a cargo ship, you do feel some floating, but you would feel more on a small boat, right? Imagine 20,000 homes. Cool That's thing. just the first thing I think of. I was super excited to learn about it. it I want to learn more about cool. it. Yeah. But also how it may affect like the sea life there because you're going to be blocking the sun from getting down. Well, again, if you look at the pattern of it, it's a brain coral. And so the sun still can strike through. They're not covering the sun in like a dome. You know what I mean? It's but you like, have to take a boat to get around then. You can walk. There's going to be streets and stuff in these like little... Mm. It's all connected. It looks like a brain coral, but they left open okay. the holes for the sun and fish to okay. still live and stuff. Very interesting. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a really cool idea. They definitely thought a lot about it. So, uh, yeah, let's <laughs> talk about something that you brought to the table. All righty. Well, there's this guy, and he is pretty young, doing some cool stuff. Solar energy at mm -hmm. nighttime. Oh. His name is Ben Nowak. Nowak. Ben Nowak. And he is a technology innovator, which crazy at 26 years old. Hey, yo, my name is Ben. I'm 26 and I'm an innovator. He's worked, he's worked with SpaceX, um, but he is helping to create a installation set up in space, incorporating large mirrors that redirect sunlight into solar panels on Earth at night, meaning like we can still harness the sun's energy. At nighttime, because right now we only have, you know, half, I don't know, part of the day where we can get that. We have to store the energy through night. Yeah. Essentially. So this is the way that we could get it all day long. That's huh. kind of crazy. That's pretty cool. So he's like using like mirrors. He's using almost. mirrors mm -hmm, that redirects the sunlight. It's definitely a good idea. Apparently this, In theory. this has been presented like many years ago in 1977. Like it's been thought about scientists have thought about it but no one's yeah. actually like done it yet um so now it's it's being put into action there's the plan for it and it could basically another way to you know replace fossil fuels so we have a lot of this like what is it called natural energy the sun's energy is for the most part it's it's not planned to be a red giant for many many years to come for the most part it's endless it's right like, it's like an endless source of energy I thought that was really cool. So That is really cool. That's really cool that he's like, I've got this. Time to get solar at night. Yeah, his company is tons of mirrors. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I guess it's going to be positioned on the International Space Station. You can call it Tom. Tom, yeah. So young, you know. I wonder what else he's going to come I'm up sure with. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more in his career by the time he's grown old. Yeah, I bet. All right. So let's let's get away from uh solar for now. Get back to it later. And let's talk more about the ocean. There is a claim by a company that through them, 90% of the world's plastic will be cleaned up by 2040. Yeah, I've heard of this company. It is their claim. It says um they have a pioneering technology for ocean cleanup. It's a Dutch project. And what this Dutch company is doing is cleaning up floating plastic from the oceans. 
they're using a technology that they have deemed system number three. It's their newest technology, and it's just this giant thing that's in the ocean that allows them to clean up like entire patches of garbage. And what their next mission is, is to clean up the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, that giant thing in the ocean that looks yeah. like literal garbage. Well, it's, it is garbage. It's uh, gross, and they're planning that's their next mission. And they've already done many cleanups in the North Pacific, um, France, and they've pretty much cleaned up 100,000 kilograms of plastic. And their next mission is... They've mentioned that where do most of the trash in the ocean come from? It's not from the beach. It's actually from the rivers that people dump, and it goes into the estuaries. And that people dump in the river? Yeah. So people like throw companies trash. companies and stuff? Companies. It happens in Japan a lot. It, Japan's one of the biggest culprits of this. And it flows down the river into the estuaries, and they've estimated that 80% of the world's plastic pollution is from rivers. And so what they're also planning to develop, and this is going to be, this is like a 10-year plan they have, is the world's first scalable river plastic collector. It's a transportable machine that is solar-powered and fully autonomous. It has an auto IQ, and it can collect around 50,000 kilograms of plastic a day estimated from the world's most contaminated rivers before the debris has a chance to reach the ocean. So. Basically, you put these at the mouths of the river and any trash that comes down the river head will get collected. And so they think that the problem isn't to clean the ocean, I mean, right away. What, their, their first plan is just to reduce the ocean garbage. The next plan they have is to stop the trash from even ever getting to the ocean. And they think that stopping it at the rivers will keep the trash away. What's the company's name? It's the Ocean Cleanup. Okay, that's I think I've name. heard of them. They're just literally called the Ocean the Cleanup. The Ocean Cleanup, that's what they do. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. They're Dutch and they... That's all they want to do. Yeah. I would love to, like, work with them someday. That would I think be it's cool. really cool. That's ex they're doing exactly what I want to do by developing technology to clean the ocean. That's, like, my angle. By the time that you get there, they've already cleaned it all up. <laughs> I don't. I I'm don't think kidding. there's ever. I mean, there's always going to be more to do if it's not if it's not just cleaning up trash in the ocean. There's always something else that you could do. And I feel like, in terms of, you know, there's there's obviously things that you can compete over. Like Walmart and Target are competitors in department stores, but I feel like when it comes to cleaning the ocean, you can't really have a competitor because you're both doing good. So it's like. Mm -hmm. Even if like they're more successful than you or you're more successful than them, I feel like you're all your goal is still the same to help people and so it shouldn't be a competition. Oh no, I wasn't seeing it as that. I'm oh, okay. happy that they're doing yeah, that. I don't yeah. see it as the competition at all. Yeah, I I like what they're doing and I, I don't know if their claims are true. They're claiming twenty forty. I think they're very in over their head. I don't think it'll happen by twenty forty. They're definitely doing a good job, but I think they underestimate people's littering. <laughs> Bigger, faster machines over time. Yeah, I, I mean, know. the years of research to make the right machines, definitely. I think they have the right idea with stopping trash before it exits the river. And teaching your kids to 
not litter now. Yeah, teach them now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I had for the ocean cleanup. Well, good job, ocean cleanup people. Yeah, good job. All right, this next one is kind of short, okay. but now we're going to have electric planes. Are you ready for that? Mm. So the first electric planes. Okay, EV planes. EV planes. Boeing EV. <laughs> so United Airlines has plans to get these electric planes airborne. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, they still have to, like, get more certification. Apparently, they already have the plane. Right now, they've already Made gathered it. 100 battery-powered planes. Okay. Um. The ones that they have that I know of, they only seat 19 passengers. They can recharge in under half an hour, which is wow. So they can get more flights out than I thought. And this is really just the start. You know, as it as it grows, they're gonna obviously have um, larger planes. Right now, they're gonna start with like shorter destinations, two under 200 miles, but they're gonna expand it over time. Mm. And basically, they predict. Getting them out by 2028 when you can actually start like traveling wow. their EV planes. So it, that is like 60 years. Yeah. We got some cool things to look forward to by the end of the 2020s. Everything's going to be like electric. Yeah. Seems like that's the way it's going. By 2030. You know, I had this notion in my head. I feel like the device, I always bring this up to anyone I talk to, my friends or, or whatever. But did you ever watch the movie iRobot with Will Smith? You know, I don't think I've actually seen the whole movie on purpose. <laughs> on purpose? You don't I like don't, it? No. Oh. It freaks me out. I love it. And I think the creators of that movie were from the future because they had cool stuff that we're getting to, but it wasn't crazy. Like, they weren't living crazy. The movie came out in like 2001 or two, and they. The movie took place in 2035 and like the stuff they had in 2035 with the cars and like they had like circle wheels and like everything ran on electricity wasn't that far off. Like I think they had a really good prediction. I was like, it's just cool. It's like when you're talking about with the EV planes and then the cities on the water, I'm like, it's just really cool. Helps helps to have less greenhouse gases, less pollution. Mm hmm. More natural resources are being used, which I think is what we need. And I really think that's a good idea because planes take a lot of fuel to go. I can't even imagine how much they take. That's why I'm surprised. Well, it is a small plane, but only under a half an hour to recharge. I guess it's a small plane. A bigger plane might take hours. Yeah. And then if we can run, if we can like move away from electricity that's being used from fossil fuels and move into solar electricity. We could save the planet even more. I mean, I think that's the way everything is going. Yeah. Wind fuel. Or is that how you... Wind energy. Wind energy. Wind turbines, yeah. Wind turbines. Yeah. That brings me into a topic. We can use... Uh, we can use a new technology called solar batteries. Hmm. For the airplanes. No, I'm just kidding. So this is a different type of soil. Uh, solar battery. It's actually a solar battery that is a soil battery soil soil battery uh -huh. so the notion of this that is being researched and effectively administered in many um solar plants around the world is solar power 
could one day be stored in the ground beneath our feet publicly. And it's an adventurous new project that's aimed to create soil batteries. And the design uses Earth's microbial life in the dirt for the energy. And it's a very interesting, like, the scientists that came up with this, like, props to you because you probably spent many life waking hours coming (laughs) up with this. Like, it's, wait wait till I read it. Like, the plan is to send electricity from solar panels, you know, in, you know, taking the sun's energy in, burying those electrodes provided, and thereby the electrodes will stimulate only certain bacteria that are found mm-hmm. in the soil. If you take energy that's available to the microorganisms, I don't actually have the scientist's name, I don't think. Oh, I do. Um, the scientist's name is Harbotel. He basically stated, it's just like you're providing food to these bacteria and these microorganisms. If you provide electrical and solar energy, there are organisms who can use that to perform electrosynthesis. Same process as photosynthesis, just with electricity. So replace the variables. Where they can synthesize and combine carbon-based molecules from carbon dioxide from the electrodes that were provided to them from the solar panels once the conversion is done. And these bugs or microbials will then release more electrons, which flow through the circuits, providing electricity on demand. If you are concerned with these bacteria's you know, being hurt in this process, you don't have to worry about that. They live off of that. Their job is to do electrosynthesis in underground so that it helps stimulate plant life with electrons on the soil. That's how you have good soil. Essentially, that's the science behind mm-hmm. good soil. And just in case you're like, well, what if there's like no, not that many microbials in the dirt? Well, soil is incredibly dense and diverse, and one teaspoon of dirt sometimes contains more than 10,000 species of microbes that can do uh, electrosynthesis. So the plan is to stick some batteries down there that can output the electricity and then intake the electrodes and provide us with more functioning electricity, more electricity than the sun could even provide. So we're basically converting the sun's energy like a plant would, turning it into carbon dioxide and electrons, and then having, you know, uh, what, what is that thing in science? Symbiotic relationship? Mm-hmm. We're feeding the bacteria, and they're feeding us electricity. And it stores underground? Yeah, and the batteries. And the batteries generate electricity. We can hook wires up to that and bring it to people's it's homes like and stuff. Plugging your, plugging your stuff into the dirt. <laughs> that would be crazy. Like, hey, do you have a, a charger? And then you charge your... <laughs> I think it'll go Not to a like power that. grid, but... Yeah, it's really cool. I didn't know that bacteria created electricity. Yeah, they they don't create electricity necessarily. They create electrodes. If we can have these batteries, like, basically take in the electrodes from the electrosynthesis, I can't speak, from the electrosynthesis, we can essentially take the sun's energy, multiply it by the amount that the bacteria can provide us and get a heck of a lot more electricity from it. Very strange. Yeah. So that's a lot more electricity go around. Wow. By using bacteria. And we're helping them. We're feeding them. Aw. Yeah. Give me that electricity. <laughs> that's very interesting. I don't... I, there's no date when he said he, it'll be completed. They're in the testing. testing phases and all that. They're still working on it. But, you know, they're hoping that they can roll it out publicly. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, next up, robots doing agricultural stuff. Whoa. <laughs> They're farming. The AI are now farming. They're helping Farm out. There's a startup company called Iron OX. And they're basically um, like using robots to automate some of the management in, in like some management and taking care of their crops indoors right now. Oh, like greenhouses? There's basically cameras that are watching the plants. And right now they have three robots working at the its facility, or three new robots, Grover, <laughs> Ada, and Max. Oh, wow. Um, the first one moves trays of plants to a photo bay for inspection. The second one tackles individual plants. And the third handles the amount of water and nutrients to be given to plants based on what the cameras report. Huh. So this can allow like one very specific amount of nutrients or water given so they don't, they don't have to guess like maybe a person may do. Yeah. Um, it's very calculated. There's cameras scanning all of the plants, making sure they're growing on track predicting how much will be available and seeing if any plants need any help. They're like really mm. <laughs> looking at everything. And it's like all automated, which is really cool. The future is robots. Pretty much. I mean, as long as they're just doing cute things like taking yeah, care of plants. Yeah, not like iRobot. Not like iRobot. Cute robots. things like taking care of plants. I think that's adorable. Like watching a little robot like watering a plant. I love that. Um, the company, they basically have trained the robots to function according to the best human farming techniques. So we can teach them to be the best farmers and give us the best crops possible. The robots are straight out of farm college, ready to go. <laughs> I'm sure that there'll be more to come. Yeah, I mean, this is just a glimpse into our future of, you know, having robots do a lot of tasks it's like i think there's a good and bad side good side is that like one they can they can perfect it better like you only use a specific amount of like water and nutrients and making sure that you're taking care of them in the best manageable way that there's less greenhouse gases there's less waste essentially when mm. it's like perfected and so carefully calculated so that's the plus and plus we can spend our time doing other things but then it we lose touch with like nature and just like being human i think yeah but there's always a downside to it but there's a downside to everything i feel depending on how you look at something i think we just need to balance it and not allow it to like completely take over yeah i agree with you which i think is possible like people could be working out there with the robots like hey max how's your day <laughs> <laughs> let me Help you with that. I and, don't know. Uh, you get along with Max now, okay? I don't know. But... <laughs> that leads me into solar lifestyles. Solar lifestyle. Yeah. So, you know, not only will we might be living with robots in the future, but we'll also be living maybe off solar in the future as well. So there's actually a 62-year-old Tokyo resident named Chikako Fuji who has already mastered solar living. So I thought this was a really cool story. It's not really anything. I mean, I guess it is something positive happening in the world, but it's not like a big thing. It's just one, one old lady. And I just thought that her story was really cool. So I wanted to share it with everyone. 
Because she's very simple. And she says she hasn't paid an electricity bill in 10 years. So ever since the Great East Japan earthquake in 2011, she was without power for weeks. And after the event, she would, they would be turning her power off the power grid for months to come for testing and other things. And she's like, I don't want to live like this anymore. She couldn't watch TV. She couldn't do anything. She literally couldn't cook because they kept turning the power on and off. And like, it was like a whole thing. She was out without power, I think, for like three months off and on. So she invested in solar panels, one, one panel. And then over time, she filled it with her collection just grew. And her panels generate an average of 1,000 watts on a sunny day, powering all her electrics for a few days. And when there's less sun, Chicago gets a workout. <laughs> she rides an electricity generating bicycle in the morning oh, for that's funny. I've seen that before. around 10 to 20 minutes so a quick workout and she gets fit and she generates around 10 watts of electricity which says that it's enough 10. to power a light bulb for a few hours to a whole day depending on how long she rides the bike so if she rides the bike for an hour that's a whole day of electricity but that's just like in the event that like you know there's like a lot of storms right. going on and she cooks her food using the sun as well. On sunny days, she leaves whatever food she wants to cook in a black cooking pot, which is a solar pot, on her balcony for a few hours. And she says on sunny days, a slice of fish can be cooked in around an hour, and some chicken breast will take about an hour and a half. I'm sure tofu probably is even less than that. You know, um, you can cook Depends beans. Depends how crispy you want she it. She says you can cook rice, bake a cake, which requires more heat, so she uses her solar cooker. And this contraption has mirrors to concentrate the sun's energy once it enters the solar cooker into one central spot where it gets hot enough to cook the rice or the, you know, whatever, whatever have you. And she says that she'll never go back because solar cooking is, she's like, it's just fresh. It feels, tastes so fresh for her. How interesting. And then she says she has a refrigerator to power and due to her age and the scorching heat, she has many times considered giving up her eco-lifestyle. Over the recent years, she's been more optimistic about it because clean energy is becoming very much available in Japan compared to when she started a decade ago. Mm -hmm. So she says even if she does one day reconnect to the power grid, mm -hmm. she says she's still going to continue solar cooking, and she hopes that her story can inspire people to live a more eco-friendly lifestyle and get away from the... She calls them restrictions, but just to live a more free life. Hmm. That's yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she probably, you know, can't live ex exactly how she wants or, like, go all out. Like, in the future, you probably will be able to. I mean. Mm -hmm. And her work. I mean, it also, she said, you know, she doesn't want to encourage anybody who, like, lives to work in, like, you know, an office setting and needs a lot of electricity because she's a tailor. For her job, she, you know, fixes people clothing with a traditional sewing machine. So her lifestyle, her job doesn't require her to be connected to technology. If someone has that sort of lifestyle, I mean, you know, go for it. If you want to try it out, she just wants to inspire people to live a more friendly and eco-friendly lifestyle. Nice. Yeah. Chicago Fuji. How inspiring. And if a 62-year-old lady could do it, so can you. <laughs> <laughs> That was all that I had for okay. Chicago. All right. Well, I'm going to share something about Greece. I love Greece. Yeah? Yeah. 
they were able to run its entire, like entire electrical grid on 100% renewable resources. Like the the whole country? Or just? From the whole country, from my understanding. Oh, wow. It was only for about five hours, but that's pretty crazy. That's awesome. The whole country got in on that. The whole country. And apparently uh, California has done this before as well. But again, it was like only for a period of time. I suppose they're testing it out and over time maybe you can do it all the time. Yeah. Greece right now relies on half of natural gas and renewable resources such as wind and solar, as well as like brown coal, which is the the dirtiest of fossil fuels. They're actually... One uh, ranked like 52nd in the world of being Greece's total energy consumption per person is 108 million BTU per person compared to the US, which is 304.41 million BTU per person. A lot less. A lot less. A third less. That's really cool that they were able to just, you know, turn the electricity grid onto you know renewable energy sources for a few hours yeah just you know making way to completely run off renewable energy in the future right i they i think they used a wind and hydropower if you know a whole country can do it what's stopping anyone else i don't know i think a lot a lot of places and countries are Attempting it, maybe not 100%, but they're, you know, part of their country a lot of, is, is using these renewable resources now. Yeah. They were just able to do it 100%. Some countries, like, maybe 50%. Hmm. That's still interesting. All right. I have my last one here. But I saved the best for last. This one is about bears could be the key to fighting diabetes. How? Is um, so we all know bears hibernate, right? They have a hibernation season. They eat a ton, like they gorge forever. Just eat so much stuff, and they are like, "I'm so I'm so full." Blah blah blah. And it's about twenty thousand calories per day, enough to put around four kilos of weight on a person. Then they barely move for months. Now, the question that scientists have been asking for many, many decades is how can brown bears and other bears like that hibernate like that not gain all that weight? If we did that as humans, if we, if we ate all of that, we would become obese. We would become overweight, unhealthily overweight, might become so overweight that we die. So how is it that bears can maintain their body weight after eating all that and then hibernate for the winter? Well, there was a professor, her name is Joanna Kelly. She's a researcher for Washington State University, and there's a study that they just started at Washington State University that is researching bears. And what they have found with the bears is that there's eight key proteins that bears engage in this activity with, which are also found in us. It's not new proteins that bears have that we don't, and it helps bears control their insulin levels. There are known proteins that are shared, and the most important point is that they're not unique. So as long as we can figure out a way to harness them in our body for the same reasons, 
there could be a potential to use them to solve or reverse the process that the body has engaged in diabetes, basically. So, in case anyone doesn't know, insulin is a type of hormone that regulates the concentration of glucoses and sugar in the blood by sending signals to the muscles, the liver, and fat cells that absorb the sugar. I almost said sugar. <laughs> sugar. So, these scientists have discovered that brown bears, <clears throat> even gorging themselves with 20,000 calories a day, their insulin resistance only kicks in during the hibernation, which, since they're sleeping, their body can slowly, slowly process through all the calories for the winter, which allows them to remain diabetes-free. If it kicked in during the preparation period of eating 20,000 calories a day, they'd also become obese, but levels don't basically resist the intake until after hibernation. So the body has time to slowly process through all the food that was, you know, all the calories and stored and blah, blah, blah. So the scientists are trying to find a way to go about harnessing that process and seeing how they can manage to redirect the insulin resistance to help people better with diabetes. They know the process. Now the, the science part is trying to focus the process down and use it for humans. So what they're planning on is probably a process in the body to basically redirect the insulin resistance that happens upon eating food Maybe and stuff. Maybe they just take a really long nap, like sleep for a long time. <laughs> That's what it seems like it takes. Bears don't have an insulin resistance like we do when they're eating a, like a mess ton of food. And if they did, they'd become obese like we would or, have, or get diabetes and that sort of thing because the sugar would just be But is that not happening blocked. when they're sleeping because they're no longer eating? It does happen when they're sleeping because since they're not eating anymore, the body can then slowly break down all the foods over the winter. And so yeah. they're not quite sure, but they have figured out that this could be the key to unlocking you know, a process to reverse diabetes for people who have trouble with insulin, have trouble with sugar regulation and that sort of thing. And so... I mean, we already... Ha we do have great tools to re reverse type 2 diabetes already. But imagine a pill that just you take one time and you're good. That just redirects the yeah. body's process of insulin without any consequences. It would be to see what that would actually be. Yeah. It doesn't really give a lot of information. We're starting to understand animals in this world and then coming up with, you know, research and products that can benefit us from things that animals do. Because as we learned, we had an episode previously that animals are basically superheroes. They have superpowers. Yeah, I mean, you can name anything and there's an animal there that does it. We think animals are amazing. I mean, imagine the jellyfish that can revert into a polyp mm -hmm. and then rebirth itself. Like, imagine if we could do that. So these types of researches, are, I think, are needed because the better we can get at understanding animals, the better we can help ourselves as well. well we're, le we're learning their, their adaptations and their mm -hmm. special qualities yeah. that humans have not, for some reason, taken on. Everyone evolves differently. Yeah. Imagine one thing that had every special characteristic that you can... Or camouflage, and you can fly. And <laughs> yeah. Breathe fire. There's probably an animal that breathes fire. Is there? I don't know. I don't know. 
But yeah, that that's my last article. I just thought it was really cool, so I saved that one for last. Interesting. Yeah, it is cool to learn from animals and see how they can help us by what their bodies do to help them. Mm. It's pretty cool. I have one last quick one. Waltner. Waltner. <laughs> I was mixing those. Well, that was amazing. Waltner. That's going in the beginning of the podcast. No. Yeah. Walmart partners with the Loop for reuse. Walmart has an in-home delivery service where customers have access to groceries and other goods delivered to their homes. But now they'll be able to get products in reusable containers, which I think this is really cool. Basically, um, when they're delivering your products, you know, right now it's only a few products, but just like everything, it starts a little and it grows over time. Mm -hmm. Say, for example, that they're bringing you like your seventh generation, I don't know, soap. They can put it in reusable containers. They deliver it to you. You actually give the packaging back. They, you know, clean it out and then can reuse it. Huh. So I think it's cool that Walmart's doing that. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people look down on Walmart in today's day and age because, you know, Target and other places. Yeah, I mean, out, I, don't, so. I don't see Target doing this, but I'm sure that they will. Yeah. But I think that's awesome because, you know, we went the other day to this um, zero waste store mm-hmm. and you can go and use your own containers and fill them up, which is cool. So Walmart's like bringing this into people's homes. Yeah. It's really so interesting. It, it's a lot less waste. and um, Not only are you saving on waste, but it's also very convenient that it's delivered straight to you. Right. I will probably do this. Walmart's I mean, capitalizing on that. <laughs> right now, they, like I said, they only have um, 10 products currently that um, have these reusable packaging. But they're going to have a total up to 30 at the end of 2022, which really isn't that far away. So I can imagine like over the next coming years, like everything. That would be great. Even your food, that would be awesome. We don't have to waste so much. I think there was an interesting, it was basically that we, like the the packaging, We it's literally used for like 10 seconds and then it just like goes to waste. Yeah. And it's such a waste. And there's like millions and probably billions of all this plastic waste that's used for one second right so we do we need to do more like reusable packaging it's really crazy how like you know you the the concept of a grocery store is just so bizarre because there's all this packaging and all these ways that a product looks and then you buy it take it home throw it in your trash it's so much waste. Like I would love, and I know there are grocery stores like this, the zero waste which is, you know, I'm sure it will grow. But like you go and just nothing has a package. You just go and like take it off the shelf, or it's a re like you you just like they do. It's a reusable package. You you take it home and you bring it back. You don't have to throw it away. I like that. Go Walmart. Yeah. Never expected them to do that first, so I'm glad that they're leading the charge. In terms of corporations. Oh, and it's right now it's started in Arkansas. It's not everywhere. Oh. But that's where they're starting. Very <laughs> interesting state to start with. Yeah. All right. Well coming to a home a near, city you. near you. City yeah. near you. <laughs> that's been our episode on all the good things. Just kidding, that's probably only a sliver of the good things that are happening in the world. Yeah, there's a ton. Yeah, we couldn't cover everything in one episode. and Hopefully we'll have some more of these episodes come out in the future. I like covering this. It's very nice to know 
all the projects and different things going on in the world that you might not hear about. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add for our listeners? Any um, inspiration? I think it's just inspiring to see all of these companies and people doing this. I know there's a lot of people who have, they see the future of the earth and they like just see like it all demolished and dead and no nature and trees. But I don't see it that way. I see it like green and just like flourishing and just working alongside um technology and nature together and like i envision in my head as like a really beautiful place yeah you can't give up or else it will look like that but there's so many companies like doing good so support those companies yeah so they can keep doing it keep doing it companies whoever <laughs> you are <laughs> and we have to keep like investing and purchasing from those companies because that's why they're a lot of them are doing it because you know they obviously make more money from it but it's because we want it. We have to stop supporting the companies that are in existence that aren't helping. Mm-hmm. Well, if we, yeah, if we, if we stop like giving them money, then they'll have to change. Yep. All right. That was it from <laughs> me. That was it from your, our co-host, Kira. I think that's everything. I, again, had fun with this episode. Reach out to us on social. Let us know. You know, what have you done recently that's been eco-friendly? Let us know. And don't forget DTC Day is every day here at the C-Motionals Company. We hope you have a great rest of your week, day, hour, night, morning, uh, work shift, car ride, wherever you're listening to us and whenever you're listening to us. And take care. Have a lovely day. Bye.